So several weeks ago, uh, I made a really bad decision. My decision was that I was going to pull out one of my dead bushes in front of my yard by hand without the proper tools. Now, I know many of you have been going through the same thing, and if your neighborhood's like mine, if you drive through the neighborhoods, you just see branches and bushes and everything sitting by the side of the road now because everybody's trying to get rid of the bushes that didn't come back. I think some of us held out hope for a little while, and you know, one of them teased me a little bit, got just a little bit of green, and then it was gone. Uh, we've still got some in the back that we're holding on to hope for, and they're starting to grow up from the ground up. I don't know if they'll ever come back, but the ones out front just needed to go. And so I decided, you know what? I can get that thing out. And so uh, mistake number one was uh, didn't have the right tools and uh, decided that, you know, I had the little uh, pruning shears, little handsaw, and a shovel. And that's how I was going to get this thing out. Did I mention, by the way, that this shrub that I was getting out was 17 years old and about seven feet tall. So it was fairly well rooted. And, but I thought, hey, I can handle this. You know, I'm going to do it. And so um, I jumped in and got, you know, the top portion off, and then it was time to try to dig out the roots. So I've got my shovel. I did have the right kind of shovel, by the way. So that was a little bit helpful, but I had my shovel, and I'm trying to dig all the way around, you know. And you get down to a certain point, and these roots that are, you know, huge roots into the ground, there's just no way to completely dig under or through or whatever. So I'm down there. By hand, I decide I'm just going to have to clear some of the, the dirt. Really, it's clay here, right? That nasty clay stuff. Uh, now, here's mistake number two was I didn't wear gloves because I thought, you know, just get in there and do something. So I'm picking through this stuff and getting all this, this clay and dirt out, and it took forever. But one of the things you need to know about me is I'm a little bit stubborn. And so once I started it, Sean kept coming out going, don't hurt yourself. It's, good. it's okay. And I'm like, I'm not leaving this thing. It took me about two hours to get this dumb thing out of there. Finally, I got it out. But after I did, uh, I realized that was not the best decision I'd ever made because, you know, you don't realize it at the time, especially when you're mad, you know, and the adrenaline's going. And I'm realizing I just shredded my fingers by digging through this dirt. And, and so, you know, I, I come to work for a week. All my, my coworkers are laughing because I've got Band-Aids all over my fingers. You know, it was pitiful. And I'm doing that partly because it hurt really bad, but partly, maybe even more so, because I was embarrassed at the fact I had mud shoved all the way. I think it was down in my knuckles. It was awful. My fingers were just nasty. And, and the worst part of it all was I couldn't really clean them out because they hurt too bad. And so I had to just kind of leave it there and all this dirt and muck under my fingernails. It was just gross. But at least it was just my fingernails. It could have been my entire being like it was for our two daughters several years ago at youth camp. I had to go back and dig up this picture. Check this out. From youth camp two years ago, there's our two girls on mud day, and they were covered from head to toe, just completely a filthy mess. But here's the good thing. If you get in the shower for long enough, that stuff will wash off, right? Even if you get that dirt down under your fingernails, I'm pretty sure it's mostly gone now after about three or four weeks. I think it's finally out of there. Eventually, you can wash it off. But what do you do with the dirt on the inside that you can't wash away? No amount of time in the shower will cleanse you on the inside. 
And I wonder if any of us, or probably all of us today, could relate to that feeling of just being dirty on the inside. And what do you do? What do you do there? That's what we're going to talk about today. As we continue on uh, looking at the story of David, uh, you recall that David is writing Psalm 51 after having taken another man's wife, gotten her pregnant, had that man killed, tried to hide it, was confronted about it, finally confessed. But so Psalm 51 is his whole process of working through that. And when I think about what David went through and the, the type of filthiness on the inside, it's a really encouraging um, reminder to me that if God can cleanse somebody like that, after what he went through, he can cleanse you and he can cleanse me as well. And so I hope to offer some hope today uh, as we go through this passage and just look at uh, what David had to say as he was working through this. So open your Bible with me to Psalm 51. And we're just going to camp out in one verse today. And we're, we're actually going to jump around. I want to share another uh, story with you, uh, scripture passage with you later on. Uh, but let's start just with one verse from Psalm 51, verse 7. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. We're just, we're just going to stay there today for a little bit and, and talk about this passage because it's so, so transformational if we really understand it. Uh, let me begin by giving just a little bit of background. Let's dive into a little bit. What does it mean when it says here, cleanse me with hyssop? Hyssop was a plant that was very plentiful in the Middle East at this time, and it was associated with cleansing, as we'll see in a minute, but it also had medicinal purposes. It had flavoring types of, of uses, but the most common uh, place that we see, in fact, I went through and looked at every place in the Bible that the word hyssop is used, and uh, let me just give you those, those passages. Exodus chapter 12, hyssop is what was used to paint blood on the doorpost before the Passover. So you remember that? God said, you know, put the offer of sacrifice, put blood on the doorpost, I will pass over. So when the, the, the angel of death came, he, he passed over those homes of the Israelite people. Hyssop was what was used to paint the blood on the doorpost. Hyssop was also used to sprinkle blood for cleansing. Leviticus chapter 14, for example, if someone had leprosy, they were to take hyssop, uh, sprinkle it in blood, and, and they would, would kind of put that on uh, both the individual as well as the home where he was living, and that would be a part of this ceremonial cleansing that he would go through. Numbers chapter 19, hyssop was dipped into a mixture of water and the ashes from a burnt offering, and then it was used to sprinkle on the tent and furnishings and anyone who had come into contact with a dead body. So this was, again, it was a ceremonial cleansing, but the hyssop was associated with that. In Hebrews chapter 9, two, two times in the New Testament, the word shows up. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 19, records how Moses used hyssop to sprinkle a mixture of blood and water on the book of the law and on the people for their cleansing. And then the other place that it's used, which is fascinating to me, is John 19, verse 29. And this is the account of Jesus and the crucifixion. And it says that a hyssop branch is what was used to lift a sponge full of sour wine that was lifted to Jesus while he was on the cross. Now here's the, my, my question when I read that. Why in the world would he include a detail like what kind of plant stalk was used to lift this sponge to Jesus when it doesn't seem to be pertinent to the story. Unless, of course, 
it is pertinent to the story. And I believe that it's used for a reason. Because every time you see hyssop show up in the Bible, it has to do with cleansing. It has to do with purification. And ultimately, Jesus, at the time that he was giving his life, shedding his blood for us, this is the ultimate cleansing of sin. This is the ultimate purification. And it's the reason why, as we'll see as we get into our our message a little further, it's the reason why we can be cleansed on the inside. What no shower can do to remove what's on the inside, Christ can. And Jesus died for that, and he is the one who is able to cleanse us and purify us, and he wants to do that for us. So I wonder if anybody is in need of cleansing today. And if so, uh, man, you're in the right place. You're, you're, you're listening to the right message today, and we can have hope to know uh, that no matter what we're going through, that there is an opportunity for us to be cleansed on the inside. So as I read this passage, I want to share with you just kind of three quick ideas. And then as I mentioned, I've got another story that we're going to close with. But here's, here's the first main idea that comes to mind to me as I read this. is a reminder that nobody is too dirty to be cleansed. Nobody's too dirty. I mean, David, this is, this is bad stuff. To take another man's wife, get her pregnant, have him killed. I mean, that's... That's pretty high up there, right, on our list of despicable sins. And yet, even after that, he realized that he could be cleansed. He realized when he said to God that if you cleanse me, I, I, I will be cleansed. And so it's a great reminder that nobody is too dirty to be cleansed. Let me let you in on, on a little secret here. This is something that, that the devil tries to convince us of. And this is like his little trick. It's kind of like a magician's trick, right? Magician, I don't know how they do things they do, by the way. It absolutely blows my mind. I have no idea how they do it. But if you've ever seen one of the tricks exposed or revealed then after that you're like oh okay now I get it and it kind of loses its power right if you know what the trick is it loses its power so let me tell you what one of Satan's tricks is so that it can lose its power here's his trick he's going to try to convince you that what you have done is so much worse than what anybody else has done that cleansing isn't really for you that's the message he's going to try to get you to believe Oh, yeah, well, yeah, Jesus died for sins, and that's true, and, and, you know, maybe that applies to somebody that their only sin was, they said a four-letter word back in 1997. And you're thinking, yeah, but I've been involved in adultery, or I've embezzled, I've murdered somebody, whatever the list is. And, yeah, maybe that applies to somebody who has small sins or just little things in their past, but I've done too much. That's, That's what Satan tries to convince us of. Oh, that doesn't apply to you. You've messed up so badly. You are so unworthy that, that you can't be cleansed. Let me just tell you if, you, if you can recognize that trick for what it is, then, then it's exposed and it has no power anymore. And that's my prayer is that that lie would have no power and that everybody, regardless of your past or your current situation, would realize that nobody is beyond, is too dirty to be cleansed. You know, when you read through the Bible, I think there's a reason why we get such a detailed description of the sins of even people that God uses people like David and Moses and Paul and Peter and all these other wonderful godly people and their sins are just laid right out there for us in part because I think God wants us to understand that nobody is too far gone 
I mean, when you read the Bible, I mean, there Hollywood movies, they, they don't have anything on the Bible. I mean, you think about just about anything you see in a movie, it's described in the Bible. And yet God still forgives and cleanses and, and that kind of thing. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians 6 along these lines. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. It says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And thankfully it doesn't end there. Because the next verse says, And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. See, what he's saying here is, let me give you a list of all these sins. And and that's who you were. It's not who you are, by the way. That's no longer your identity. That's who you were. But he says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You, you, You were cleansed on the inside. And nobody is ruled out. So do not believe that lie that you are ruled out based on your past. Here's the second thing um, that we have to do. Yes, we realize that anybody can be cleansed, but you have, to, you have to turn the right direction for that to happen. And here's number two. We have to turn to God for cleansing. I mean, David is speaking directly to God here when he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. If you cleanse me. Not if I try to cleanse myself or not if I try to clean up my own act. He says, if you, God, cleanse me, then at that point I will be clean. He's turning to God for cleansing. Have you ever felt so dirty that you were ashamed to turn to God? I can think of a period of time, and specifically... Shortly after coming to faith in Christ and in my college years where I was really struggling with something, just continued to fail time after time after time. And after a little while, I just like, I, I don't even think I can pray about this anymore. I didn't even want to bring it before God because I was ashamed, embarrassed. And, and I was like, man, I, I just don't know how I can continue, you know, to, to bring this before God. Um, sometimes we get like that, right? Sometimes it's like, okay, I just, I, I feel so dirty that I don't even want to ask God to cleanse me. Um, But please hear me on this. Never stop turning to God. No matter where you are. No matter what you've done. Again, look at what David did. And he is turning to God for cleansing. Because that's the only way that it's going to happen. We can't do this on our own. Nothing else. we, we, We try to cover it over with all kinds of stuff. But nothing works. The only thing that can really cleanse us from the inside is is God himself doing that for us. And David knew that, and that's why he was turning to God. And when you do, this is number three, when we do turn to God, he makes us completely pure. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. What a beautiful picture of what happens when God cleanses us. It's really hot right now outside. 
so it's probably a little bit hard for us to remember, but it was only about four months ago, a little over four months ago, that we had the great snowmageddon here, which normally we don't, right? We don't have that kind of, of snow here very often, but I went back and pulled a picture from our backyard uh, just so you can kind of see that, just a little reminder there. That was early in the morning before I wanted to get it before any footprints were out or anything, so, you know, sun's not really, well, there wasn't much sun anyway at that time, um, but everything's white, Everything is covered. When, when snow covers, everything is white. Now, here's another picture from that same angle that was just taken this week. And you can see there, it's totally different, right? There's green, there's brown, there's turquoise. There's, there are lots of different colors involved there. But when snow comes and there's enough of it, it just blankets everything and everything gets covered. And I love that reminder that when it says here, I will be as white as snow, what it's, it's, it's a beautiful picture. When snow covers stuff, it, it covers it completely. And none of the, the stain that is left underneath, none of that is there anymore. Isaiah 1, verse 18 talks about this. You know, where it says, come now, let us settle the matter together, says the Lord. And then it says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And then though they are as crimson, they shall be like wool. Um, man, that, that's a beautiful, beautiful reminder to us that God is a God who cleanses. So, you have a decision to make. Are you going to allow God to provide cleansing for your soul? Provide cleansing for the inside? That's the decision that every one of us needs to make and I guess the real question is, what's it going to take um, to help you get to that point where you're ready to receive that? As we um, prepare to close our time together here in just a little bit, I, I first want to share another story with you because it is a beautiful illustration of what we're talking about. It's found in John's Gospel. John chapter 8 tells about a woman that Jesus met and when I think about the things that we just talked about, I see all of this demonstrated in uh, the story with this woman. Starting in, in verse 2, it says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard him began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. This woman, it was brought before Jesus, which by the way, it says specifically, at dawn, Jesus was teaching in the temple court. So he was out there early. The woman was brought in early. What I suspect happened is she was caught sleeping with a guy who wasn't her husband that night and was brought directly there. And that's why it was so early in the morning that they were bringing her. We don't, it doesn't say that, but I suspect that would, 
be what took place. Can you imagine the shame and the embarrassment and the guilt that that woman must have felt to be brought from that situation and brought before Jesus to be made a public spectacle, which, by the way, the goal of the religious leaders here um, was just to trap Jesus. This woman was really just a pawn to get them to trap Jesus. Because they say to him, and I, and I love what it says, when it, when, it just makes me laugh, when it says, the law says that Moses, the law of Moses commands that she be stoned to death, as if Jesus didn't already know what the law of Moses said, right? So they're reminding Jesus what the law says, and really what they're doing is they're trying to trap him. They had no concern about her. They had, I don't believe, even any concern about the, God's glory or even dealing, you know, getting sin from, out from, from their midst. I don't think even that was their motivation. Their motivation was, we're going to trap Jesus. And Doesn't it speak volumes that they knew the way they needed to trap Jesus was to play on his mercy? Was to see if... Because he was so merciful and so loving to see what he would do with somebody caught in a sin like that where the law says that she has to be stoned. And and Jesus' answer is really brilliant because he doesn't go into an explanation of, well, yes, that law was put in place because uh, sin has to be paid for. And yet I've come to atone for sin and I'm going to become the payment for that. And so I'm now replacing that law. And He doesn't go into all that. He just kind of lets them do their thing, and he doesn't even try to talk them out of their plan to stone this woman to death. What he says is, okay, whoever is without sin, you go ahead and get the party started. Why don't you be the first one to cast a stone if you're without sin? It's brilliant. Because he was pointing out the fact that although this woman's sin was very obvious and very public and certainly a gruesome sin... They had issues in their lives as well. Maybe it wasn't as public. Maybe it wasn't as obvious. But Jesus is is clearly saying to them, look, it's really easy for you to expose somebody else's sin, but what are you doing about the sin in your own life? And so go ahead. If you're without sin, go ahead and cast a stone. You know, this woman could have been stoned to death that day. According to the parameters that Jesus gave, she could have been stoned to death that day. Because there was one among them who was without sin, but only one. And Jesus, the sinless one, was the very one who was unwilling to cast a stone at her. In fact, he had a conversation with her afterwards, and he says to her, "Um, has no one condemned you? And then he says, neither do I condemn you. And then he said something very, very poignant after that. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. See, Jesus isn't saying it's okay to be doing what you're doing. He doesn't condone our sin. He doesn't turn his head the other way or say, don't worry about it. You be you and you be happy and do what you want to do. That's, that's not at all who Jesus is. But at the same time, Jesus also is, is not the one to say, let me just heap condemnation on you. But, but what he's saying here is, let me extend grace. Let me give you an opportunity to do exactly what we talked about a moment ago. You recognize that nobody's too far gone. You know, that, that you can turn to God. 
And if you will, that you will be cleansed. And so he's giving her an opportunity to turn to him in faith. And when he says, go and leave your life of sin, that would be an indication in her life that she has had a change of direction. And, 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 and so he's essentially inviting her to um, trust in him. You ever wonder what happened to her? I, I, I often do. Uh, we don't know for sure. I mean, we can speculate about some things. Um, there is certainly a story in Luke's gospel, I believe it's Luke chapter 7, where uh, Jesus is having a dinner party at the home of a Pharisee. And I, of, of all the things, I'd love to see so many things in the Bible, but this is one of them. I would love to be a guest at that meal when a prostitute walked into a Pharisee's house while Jesus is having dinner. That would have been awesome. And just to see the uncomfortableness, you know, of the, that Pharisee, and yet Jesus wasn't the least bit uncomfortable. She comes and, you know, kneels down his feet and begins to, to shed tears and wipe his feet with the, the tears in her hair. And just this beautiful expression of worship, right? Could that have been the same woman? It could have been. We don't know for sure. Could have been. Right after that, by the way, in Luke's gospel, it goes into describing Mary Magdalene. A lot of people speculate that Mary Magdalene maybe was that woman that came. Could she have been? We don't know for sure. We don't know if that woman came to faith in Christ or not. But I do know this, that if she responded in faith, then Jesus was ready to cleanse her on the inside. Just like he is for every single one of us. See, if, if, if we'll turn away from our sins... And by the way, that doesn't mean clean your life up first. I'm just talking about in your heart. We just say, I, I don't long for that. That's not my priority anymore. My priority is Jesus. I'm giving my heart to Jesus. And he's the one that cleans us up. Don't ever think you've got to get your life together first. You come to Christ in faith, and he'll help, he'll help you get your life together. But, but we do have to surrender to him. And so this morning, I, I want to give you that same invitation to surrender to Christ in faith. It's the same invitation, by the way, that we offered to our kids this week at Vacation Bible School. And I do want to say a quick thank you to all of you that were praying for our kids. It was an incredible week, and we saw lots of kids come to faith in Christ, lots of decisions for Christ. Um, but we gave them that, that same opportunity to say, this is how you can trust in Christ. And it really impacts me to think that a young child can come to faith the same way that any one of us can. Our kids probably don't have as much, you know, in their past to deal with as we may, but we all are sinful. We all need to be cleansed. And so um, today, if you had that sense that the inside is what needs to be washed, that things just aren't right. And maybe you've bought into that lie that you're too far gone or that you know, you've done too much or forgiveness is for somebody else. Please hear me. Um, that's, that's not true. Christ offers forgiveness for all of us. We simply need to turn to him in faith. We need to surrender all of ourselves, all of our hearts, and all of our lives to him today. So today... Let me give you a chance to do that. We even have uh, words to a sample prayer. It's, it's not, you pray what you want to pray, uh, but if you're trusting Christ for the first time, sometimes it helps to have some type of something to guide you through. So we're going to be putting the words on the screen so that you can follow along.
Uh, but if your desire is to trust in Jesus, then, then pray a prayer like this. Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. And if you want to invite Christ to be the Savior of your life, whether you're watching with us online, whether you're here in person with us, you can just pray a prayer like this. God, I know that I'm sinful. I know I'm dirty on the inside. I need you to cleanse me. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead in victory over sin. Right now, I turn away from my sin and I place my faith in you. I receive you as the Lord of my life. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed a prayer like that, trusting Christ for the first time, we want to know it. Whenever Jesus called people in the Bible, he always called them publicly. So it's important to let somebody know. And there are a couple of ways you can go about doing that. You can text uh, the word next to the number that's on the screen. And we would love to have the opportunity um, to, to, to just pray with you. We'd love to have the opportunity to um, come alongside you and help you. If there's something else, maybe it's not just a decision to trust in Christ for the first time, but there is some next step that God wants you to take. Maybe it is um, being baptized, which we have nine people being baptized this morning in the next couple services, which are seven, something like that, eight, somewhere in there. It's a bunch of people being baptized this morning. Maybe you say, I, I need to go through believer's baptism. Uh, that would be a great next step for you. Uh, maybe it's to join the church. Maybe it's to find a place to serve, whatever it may be. You can text that word next, and we would love to, to know what's going on with you and how we can come alongside you. If you're here with us in person, you can also just slip out here in just a moment to the Next Step Center, just right across the hall there. Uh, I'll be back there. My wife and, and others of our staff will be there uh, just to meet you and pray with you and, and hear how we can come alongside you there as well. So let's stand together as we uh, just prepare for uh, our, our, our time here together, and our team will come and, uh, and get ready to lead us through a time of response this morning, but I just want to encourage you in this, that as you sense God's stirring in your heart today, as you know that God is, is, is wanting you to take a next step, uh, then do that. Maybe your next step today is to share the good news with somebody else. You've been cleansed on the inside, but you know somebody else who needs to hear the good news. Tell them the good news. Share that good news. Whatever it is, your next step, we encourage you to take that.